In the year 2017, Childish Gambino released a song entitled Redbone. Some of my younger audience may be familiar with it says, stay woke, they be creeping. They gonna find you, catch you sleeping. If I had to borrow a piece of this passage, a piece of that chorus, I would like to say, stay woke. Because when you sleep, they creep. <laughs> stay woke. Because when they creep, because when you sleep, they creep. That song, Redbone, was used as a primary marketing tool for the movie Get Out. For those of you that have not seen it, spoiler alert, it's been two years, you've had your time. But there's a part of the movie where a young man has been lured and captured by the mundane sound of hot tea being stirred. And he finds himself fighting for his survival. Many of the audience have called that place the sunken place. And I believe many of us today, even within our religious circles, find ourselves within the sunken place. You see, we've gotten too comfortable with the things that are taking, round, taking place around us and, and unable to escape. And so we find ourselves within a sunken place. I believe there was an old Negro psalmist by the name of Houdini who said it best, the freaks come out at night. There's something about the nighttime that allows people to do the things they want to do under the cover of darkness. There's comfort that is found there. Criminals know, lovers know that, especially secret ones. And Satan himself knows that the nighttime is the right time to do the things that you want to do. It is because of those closed eyes that we lose sight of even consciousness in a way. The things that are creeping in and around us. We have today that is cast, that is thrown around so easily, stay woke, stay woke. And in our efforts to stay woke, we get no sleep. Some of us are so woke, we're walking around sleepwalking. But what we find here in this text is that Jesus is giving a parable to the people. There's a natural tendency to be comfortable with things that are commonly seen and experienced in and around us and not soon after we begin to accept them as a part of our life or natural occurrences within life. You might, I remember years ago when I was a young boy watching TV, how that it was almost, it, it, it was almost uh, uh, against the FCC rules to utter curse words on the television and you always knew when somebody crossed that line because the audience response would be a such a <gasps> but it's of such now that watching TV that words are words are given so freely across the screen we don't even bat an eye nor do we even blink at what's taking place I remember when I my first night my first week in Terrell Texas being a young man from Los Angeles California Sleeping in my dorm to be awakened by the blaring sound of a train speeding past my dorm. Not too, so, not too soon after, about a couple of weeks, I didn't even notice that train. 
The reason I didn't notice it because it was so common in my environment that I began to ignore it as though it was, it was common. It was a regular part of my environment. And I say it is with that attitude we sometimes get that way in our relationship with God. We get that way within our church. We get that way within our relationships. We get that way within our own spirituality and even our families at times. The Gospel of Matthew seeks to establish Jesus as an authority, as king with his Jewish audience by establishing the lineage of his father's side and addressing him as the son of David. Matthew gives an eyewitness account to the life and the ministry of Jesus. Matthew sets himself apart using a variation of such as when Jesus had finished these phrases as a way of indicating that he was changing the narrative. Matthew's gospel highlights Jesus' sermon on the mount, the trusting nature of a true disciple, his second coming in the kingdom of heaven, which we're about to engage in. You also see his heavenly usage of Old Testament prophecy to engage the Jews who were familiar with bringing, who were familiar with the prophecies concerning the Christ. But prior to the parable that was read before you, we have the parable about the seed and the sower. Many of us are familiar with the parable of the seed of the sower, understanding that there was a sower that went out and he began casting seed, looking for fertile ground for that seed to take place. And as he passed it out, some fell upon the path where the birds were able to come and gobble it up. Some of the seed had fell upon the rock. And being unable to take root, the sun had been too harsh on it and dried it out. Then there was some seed that fell amongst the weeds and the thorns and, and when troubles got too hard, they began to be choked out because they weren't able to receive the sustenance they needed in order to grow and thrive. And so what we have here, understanding that in this parable, Jesus identifies the kingdom and its future struggles and tendencies of its attendants. Where are my readers at? We... we can I, can, I, can I get some reading? Can I do it old school? I, I ask y'all bear with me. I, I'm, I'm a little heartbroken. I'm without my iPad. That's the reason for this monstrous thing here. If I start talking about what happened, my blood pressure will go up, and I don't know if I can make it. But I want you to get for me Genesis, the first chapter, verse number 11, and then I want somebody else to get for me First Peter, the first chapter, starting around verse number 22. Hold it right there. I want you to look at the opening text, it says, and another parable put forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sow good seed in his field. Now I want you to understand that the man being referenced in, the, in this parable is obviously the Lord Jesus. But it also denotes the ownership of the field. Speaking to the audience in regards to the kingdom, Jesus knew that the, up, that the kingdom that was at hand could not be identified by those who called themselves a Jew. But there was something deeper that was needed to identify those who identify themselves with the kingdom. And thus a behavior was needed to manifest itself within its attendance. And so what we see here is that it says that the man had a field and he began to give out good seed. Let me hear you say good seed. 
Now I want you to understand what exactly a good seed was made of. Genesis 1:11. Tell me what a good seed was made of. You need to understand that a good seed did what? Genesis 1 and 11. Then God said. Then God said. Now this is in the beginning of creation. He said what? Let the earth sprout vegetation. Yes. Plants yielding seed. Plant yielding seed. And fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit. Yes. After their kind with seed in them. Hold it again. After what? After their kind. With after their own kind. So a good seed. A good seed was something that reproduced after its own kind. Meaning that oranges gave oranges. Apples gave apples. Pears gave pears. And if we want to talk about flesh, then men produced men. Or women produced men. Let's just, let's just clean that up. But I want you to also understand the very nature of a seed. Not only did it produce after its own kind, but the type of seed that it was was, some, was a tendency that made it even better than most seeds. What does it say in First Peter, the first chapter, starting at verse number 22? Since you have an obedience to the truth. Since you have obeyed in obedience. Go ahead. Purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Yes. Fervently love one another from the heart. Go ahead. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable. Say that again. You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable. But incorruptible. But imperishable. Imperishable, incorruptible seed. Now I want you to understand that a good seed was one, it worked according to the purpose that it had been born. And then not only that, it was incorruptible. When we come here every Sunday, we've been given the opportunity to come here and receive the seed, which is incorruptible. It is good seed. And if that seed is good seed when it's going into us, then it should produce after its own kind. Is that right? So when you come in and, and, and the preacher starts preaching that there should be love in your life and what it should look like, that, that it, should, it, it, should, it, should, it should endure all things, being long-suffering, that is the pure seed that's manifesting in itself in your life. When it says that you should have peace, that is the, that is the fruit that should be manifesting itself in your life. Some of us are walking around with things that have not been put into us. Because when we go to the Bible, when we go into the word, the word that comes into us is incorruptible. Meaning that we can't add anything to it to make it a hybrid because what comes out should be pure. Our love should be pure. Our fellowship should be pure. Our praise should be pure. And so when we get in here and if we walk around with the spirit of envy, that's not a seed that was put in you. Does that make sense? When we come in here with a spirit of lying, that is not a, spe a, a spirit that was sold into you. A spirit of lasciviousness, that was not something that was sold into you. We need to understand. We need to ask the question, what is coming out of us? What is coming out of us? Because if God is planting love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, then what is it that's coming out of you? That's why, he said, that's why Jesus said earlier in chapter 12, number 33, he said, he said, by man's fruits you shall know them. He said, either you make a tree good and its fruit good, or else you make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruits. Mountain View was coming out of us. 
Is laziness coming out of us? Is, 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 is ignorance coming out of our mouths? If you don't fill it with something, something's going to come out. Look at here. I want you to understand that the Father is willing to give to those who are willing to receive. It's not just enough to be here in the field. But as was stated in the, in the prior parable, we have to have open hearts to allow that seed to take root. Verse number 26, I want you to see this. It says, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, there are three things that take place here within the text. I, I need a mic. You know, never. No, I need to be still. I need to be still. I, I, I've told I walk too much or maybe I talk too much. I, I forget. I forget. But there are three things that take place here within the text. One you need to understand, it says, while men slept, then an enemy came, number two, and he sowed tares and walked away. Now, I know we as a people, we, we love our sleep. Some of us, we, we, we sleep for various reasons. You know, you, 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 you get in the mood and you say, I, I need to go lay down before I hurt somebody. You, you know how we do. Or you walk in the house and, 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 and your, your kinfolk see you and they say, you know what, you look like you need to lay down. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you know what I'm saying. But there's, there's some reasons why people sleep. Some sleep like Jonah. To escape their life, their problems and calamity, they avoid it by sleeping. Their marriage is crumbling. Their finances are crumbling. They sleep in the abyss of denial, unwilling to recognize the trouble that it's in and continue on cruise control as if nothing is wrong. There are some who sleep in their lack of financial responsibility or stewardship. The walls of debt are closing in and they sleep themselves into a stupor, paralyzed from making any real moves to be educated with money and addicted to spending. Some sleep like Samson, charmed into a false sense of security. They sleep and they play with fire. However, before they know it, that weekend habit has become a full-time gig. They are no longer a social drinker, but, a, but the town drunk. That co-worker is no longer just a friend, but a side piece. A two-piece with thighs and no biscuit. Peter warns us in 1 Peter 5 and 8. He says, where your adversary, the devil, he's looking for the stragglers, those who, who, are, who are laxed, not keeping watch. I recall there was a video that floated around on social media. Maybe some of you have seen it. The two gazelles fighting each other. So busy fighting each other, they didn't see the lion creep up on them, take them out. Sometimes we get so caught up fighting ourselves or, or, or fighting our inner demons, we, we, we lose track of who the real enemy is. Are you asleep, Mountain View? Are you asleep? Look, look to somebody and say, stay woke. Because when you sleep, they creep. Because <laughs> when you sleep, they creep. I want you to understand something. Jesus said, while men slept, then came the enemy. Now, I want you to understand, whenever Jesus was talking to the enemy, the enemy was always the antithesis of who God was in the very essence. That's why he says in John 10 and 10, he says, I come that you might have life 
and that you might have it more abundantly. So if God comes that you might have life and have it more abundantly, then you need to understand that the enemy comes to steal. To steal what? Your joy, your purpose, your reason, dietra, reason for being. Look, it says when he was sowing tears. Now I want you to understand, I, I, I don't do this to, to, to seem like I'm smart, but every now and then it's important to use the actual translation. The word uses Zinzanian. The Greek word uses Zinzanian. Now you need to understand, Zinzanian was a colonel that they called Darnell. And this, this, this black tarish looking colonel, what would happen is that when you would throw it in the, in the field, it would look like wheat while it was growing. And so it says the enemy came and he threw out a substance that looked like wheat. There are practices in our culture that we have embraced because it appears harmless and makes sense. It ain't hurting nobody. Do you, boo? We encourage, others, we encourage people to act married as though they're not. Understanding, well, you know, the financial hardship, it just makes sense. Y'all getting married anyway. Do you, boo? We throw divorce parties, coming out parties. Embracing media meant to destroy God's design for the family. We easily play songs in, in, in our repertoire. It's like, I'm a pimp. You must, you must not know a thing about me. I'm a P-I-M-P. What part of being a pimp is a part of God's plan? And, 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 and they have this song that they play every now and then. I, I don't know where it is. Anyway, it says, uh, the weekend. You the nine to five, I'm the weekend. We start glorifying the side piece hustle as though it's something to embrace and, and strive for. When we start sleeping, that's when things start creeping into our homes, into our communities. And we don't even realize it because we, we allowed it to become a part of who we is. That's just who we are. We're colorful people. We have all different likes and tastes. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I'm guilty of that. I be in the gym, I got my Jay-Z going. I got my Tupac. But I realized I, I need some wow on there because there's some things floating in my mind that there should not be there. Because the Bible says whatever is in a man's heart, it's going to come out. There's no, there's no Freudian slip, no slip of the tongue. The reason it came out because it, out of the abundance of a man's heart doth he speak. You got a little bit of too much in there, that's why it had to come out. And so I, I bring that up is because we can't allow this to become the regular of who we are as individuals. We need to find ways to filter that stuff out. Church, stay woke. Paul knew that the time would come where people would start looking for other things. He warns us even as he warned the church in Colossae. He said, beware, he said, beware lest any man spoil you by the traditions of men. I remember years ago, it was okay to smoke at McDonald's. I, I'm showing my age, I know that. That was the wisdom of men. 
But see, he said, well, yeah, later, you know, Winrow, they, they, you know, they, they, they wisened up and they don't let people smoke in, 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 in public places. I don't know if that's the case all the way in, in Texas, but I know in California, you can no longer smoke in public places. I bring that up because that was based off the wisdom of men. Men are ever changing. Men are constantly discovering what God has already put in place. And because we're constantly discovering, there's no way we can say we got it noted up and we know what's better than God. Stay woke. He says in verse number 27, he says, so the servant of the owner came in and said, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tears? Isn't it like us as man to question God? I mean, it's only natural, even within the church, our natural tendency is to question what God has ordained. We question it in marriage. I said, well, I know the Bible, you know, speaks against divorce. But hey, that was an ancient text written years ago. I know what the Bible says about spanking. But that was an ancient text written long ago. And so even here, as the men were looking across the field, they saw something sprouting in the field that didn't quite look like what the master had planted. They saw evil. Which naturally brings us, why do bad things happen? Epicurean philosopher, Epicurus, called Epicurean, came up with the, the basic idea of the problem with evil. If God is omniscient, if God is omnipotent, if God is, is omnipresent, why does evil exist? If evil exists, there must not be God because God is evil. And if an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-merciful God created the world, then why did he also created evil? Therefore, he cannot exist. I want you to understand something. We were all given free will. We were all given free will. We were not made automatrons to get up and do exactly as he says. Go to John, the ninth chapter. I want you to see something. And I'm not going to take everything from there. But I want you to understand the problem of evil. In John, the ninth chapter, Jesus had came across a blind man. Him and his disciples, I'm going to walk a little bit. Yeah, makes me more comfortable. Jesus and his disciples, they were walking and they came across a man who had been blind since birth. Starting in verse number two, John nine, the question was asked what? And his disciples asked him, uh-huh. Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents. Look at here, Jesus. There's evil present. You need to understand that when a child was born blind, the, 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 the belief was some sin had taken place in the past. And because sin had taken, had taken place, it must be repaid. And so that man's, that man's punishment, that child's punishment was that he was to be blind. That was based off Jewish understanding of how God worked. But look and see what happens here, what he says in John 4. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. But in verse 4, he says what? But it was so that the works of God may be displayed in him. In order that the works of God, the grace of God, the love of God can be made known. Mountain View. When we look out and we see a field that has been plagued with tears. And you ask, why is it there? 
in order that we can demonstrate the love of God, the grace of God, to help others move along. He says, I must do the works of him that sent me while it is day. Just as man has the propensity for evil, man has the ability to demonstrate God's love and his grace. Jesus said unto them, an enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? I mean, it's only natural we see something taking place in our master's vineyard and said, we ought to snatch it up. But he told them, no. You know, when God doesn't work the way we want him to work, we start trying to take things into our own hands. We know the Bible says vengeance is the Lord, but, you know, he's moving a little slow. They deserved it. We know the Bible says, seek ye after the kingdom. and said, but God, I'm really in need. Baby, need some new J's, and, and I'm in need of that vacation. They owe me this. You owe me this. I owe it to myself. And so we create, we legislate righteousness or make ourselves feel right about being wrong. I got to get some church in. I wasn't there last week. As long as I pick it up on the TV or on the stream, I'm all right. There are a lot of practices we have become comfortable with because it looks like it's of Christ in its infancy stage. That's where legalism takes birth. The institution of religious laws to show one righteousness only leads into the eventual shaming of an, event, of an individual who has fallen short. You see, when we allow, when we legislate righteousness within the church, coming up with rules to, sh to demonstrate who is wrong and, and who is right, what happens to the one who does not measure up? Well, the tendency within legalism is to shame that person. But I thought we've been called to cover that person. But the tendency within a legalistic church is to expose those sins and say, see right here, that's what he did. I want everybody to know brother so-and-so did this and sister so-and-so did that. And so what it eventually does, it turns, it goes from shaming into shunning. And when we get into shunning, then we're doing the, the exact opposite of what God has called the church to do, which is to be witnesses in order to reconcile the people to him. I want you to understand I said, when we see the crop, it produces. It keeps surrounding the wheat, getting the nourishment that they need, but some even die. Those that have been shunned from the church and those that allow the, the, the sin to take root around them and not say anything because of complacency. And so eventually we die. Some of us get sick. That's what Paul is speaking of in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23, around verse number 27, where he gives the curse. He says, for this reason, he said, whosoever taketh unworthily. Well, what do you mean unworthily? The communion was used to gather, the to gather Christians together to say that I am in harmony with you and you are with me. And the fellowship that we share is, is because of Christ Jesus. That's why he says in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. When we engage in communion, it is a calibration that takes place that says that I'm all right with you. You are right with me and we're all right with God. But when we fail to do that, when we allow sin to run rampant in our life and we continue to take of the communion, 
then we have a seared conscience. And that's why many of us are sick and weak spiritually. Because we are not listening to the word of God. And when we don't listen to the word of God, he says, and for that reason, some of you have fallen asleep. You are spiritually dead. When we fail to confront the sin that takes place in our, in our lives, in our relationships, in our fellowships, in our home. And we come to calibrate, to get on, to get on the same page with our brothers and sisters and with Christ. We walk away sick and dying. And some of us attend every Sunday and we're dead. And we pray, but we have no communication. We sing, but we're not praising. We, we, we commune, but there's no fellowship. That's what a dead Christian does. They engage in all these practices, but there's no life coming out. No life. And so Jesus says this. He said, let both of them grow into the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in the bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. There are a lot of people within our fellowship that we may deem not of us. They don't look like us. They don't smell like us. They must not be us. But here's the thing. If you notice in the text, they had a difficult time recognizing who was of God. So what makes us think that we have the ability to see who's the wheat versus who's the tares? There's, there's, there's this phenomenon taking on in society right now, and I don't know if you've picked up on it. I, I, I might get in trouble for this, but my heart is in the right place. There's a tendency when people mess up that we want to hold it against them forever. And so what we do, we want to kill them in their careers. We want to kill them publicly over a mistake that they made. I don't know if you've seen that. But if you use that logic, that logic, it, it came out the other day. Uh, Krispy Kreme acknowledges uh, 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 that they participated in, in was it uh, Nazism? Y'all gonna stop eating Krispy Kreme? Oh, y'all can separate the, 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 the talent from the D there, huh? But if we start doing that, where we start making judgments on, on who's the sheep and who's the goats, who's the wheats and who's the, who's the tares, how will anyone be, ever be connected to Christ? Paul went around persecuting Christians, killing them. Many innocents. Y'all going to throw away 66% of your New Testament? Under that logic, that's what you should do. We have to learn to separate the meat from the bones. People are redeemable. But when we shame people and we shun them, then we are cutting them off from their blessing. Well, who's their blessing? God Almighty. But when we put a wall between us and them, then who are we reconciling other than ourselves?
Mountain View, we have a calling on our lives. We are called to be witnesses, not just in Judea, but to the ends of the earth. Not just in Mountain View, but to Oak Cliff, Cedar Valley, Coppell, Plano, Abilene, Amarillo. Well, I don't know if I'm going to Amarillo. I joke. But we have a calling that's much bigger than, than our, 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 our myopic view of who should be saved. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize, you know, I've let some behavior sleep in, creep into my life. I've been asleep at the wheel. I've, I've permitted things to take place in my relationship with God that has almost become normal for me. There are things that I, I say, things that I do on social media I think nothing about. How many times have you passed on a picture that you thought that the person was not the best looking person and, and wanted to have a laugh at someone's expense? Those are real people. Would you do that here at the church? I mean, that's behavior that is almost the norm. But those things I want us to think about is who we are as a people. If we engage in what people consider, oh, that's just fun on Facebook. That's just fun on Instagram. Think about who we are. What are the behaviors that we're embracing and allowing to be part of who we are? Because all the world knows is what we profess to them every Sunday. And when we come here and we engage in our communion, but the world knows what you're doing, they say, well, they must be all right with that. That must be who Jesus rolled with. Then we are poor witnesses. We are poor proclaimers of truth. On your feet. On your feet. Maybe you're here this morning and you just want prayer for strength. If you want prayer for strength, this is the time to ask for it. It says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. But if you're not willing to ask, if you're not willing to ask, then maybe that's not something that's really a priority for you. If I got somebody mic, I'll sing with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you want to be more dedicated and more vigilant in your walk. More vigilant. You want to be a key witness for Christ. This is the time to repower as you get ready to go out, as we, as we get ready for the sending. That's, that's what they call it in ecclesiology, the, the sending of the people. You've come in. You've gathered at the table. You've received your message, and now we're getting ready for the sending. How many are ready to go out and bring others back in with you? I'm, I'm truly asking. Because that's what this is really all about.